I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We'll look at verses 18 through 25, Lord willing, this evening. Um, as many of you know, we have, a, we have another wedding, uh, fast, fast approaching. Um, and I, I believe my mind, as well as many others, have, have been on that for some, some time now. And I, I pray that the Lord has, has used that to lead me to this, this text. Um, you know, I, I was thinking most of most of what we see in in modern wedding ceremonies um, are, are tradition. They're just man-made tradition that have come about over over the years. Um, I'm also amazed how uh, worked up we could we get about tradition, not just in weddings, but just in in anything um, so what can we i guess what can we learn here what can we learn from from god's word um, i want us to look at this passage this evening of what what i believe be the first recorded wedding in in scripture um, and i pray the lord would enable us to to look at it and truly be taught, taught from His Word. Um, you know, this is a this is a true story. What we're about to read here, it's a it's a true story, and it's a uh, it's a miraculous. It's a truly miraculous story. When you when you think about what what's about to happen here, what we're about to read about in God's Word, and I believe if we can see it in light of God's word, I'm confident we'll have some good instruction. Good, good instruction for husbands. Good instruction for, for wives. Uh, but above all, above all, I pray that we might, because if, if that's all we see is those first three things, I suppose it would be good that we come over this evening. But we've missed the boat if we don't see Christ. If we don't see the Lord Jesus Christ and His bride. His bride in this, in this text. So let's, let's start with verse 18. And I'd call your attention to listen to who's talking here. Okay, this, this isn't me just up here standing talking. Listen to who's talking. Look at verse 18. And the Lord God said. Well, that ought to grab our attention, shouldn't it? Huh? The Lord God's speaking here. And he said, it's not good that a man should be alone. It's not, it's not good. It's not pleasant. It's not, a, it's not agreeable to his nature. It's not useful. It's not good that a man should be alone. I, I don't know if, if, if 
you've ever felt this way before, but a few weeks ago, I was driving out west, and uh, Abby usually travels with me. But on this particular time, she wasn't, she wasn't able to. And as I was going out west, I've never been past St. Louis before. I was seeing sights that I had never seen before. But you know, I couldn't truly, I couldn't truly enjoy them. I'd, I'd, I'd want to look over to the passenger seat and say, Abby, did you see that? It's not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. And the Lord said, I'll make for him a helpmate. Huh? A helpmate, one to love and to be loved. Uh, one to comfort and, and, and to comfort him. Huh? Almighty God, he, he determined, listen to this, he determined that Eve would be Adam's bride before he even formed her. What about Christ's bride? Can that be said of her as well? Huh? His church. In, in, in Ephesians 1 verse 4, listen, listen to this. God chose us in Christ. When? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Adam is going to have a bride. Any, any question about that? And listen, Christ, he'll have his bride. He's going to have his bride. Let's, let's read on here. In our, in our text, look, look there. Let's start again, verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the, that was the name of it. And that just fascinates me. You think of all the animals, they were all brought before Adam and he, he named them. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Let's read on. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he, almighty God, took one of his, of all things, a rib. He took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh thereof. And with that rib which the Lord God had taken from Adam, made he a woman, and he brought her to the man. He took a rib. God did that. He took a rib. A single rib. A, a particular rib. A bone. 
just a, a curved bone from which he's going to make life. That the root word for for the word rib, you can you can look this up if you want to. But the word from which that that word rib is derived, it means limp. It means halt. Now, now think about that. Just a, a worthless, limp, lame bone, and he's going to make Adam's. He's going to make Adam's bride. Is anything, is anything too hard for Almighty God? We, we look at that and we think that's just, that's impossible. Uh, that's, a, that's a fairy tale. That's a pipe dream. This is a true story. And nothing, nothing is too hard for God. You think about this. From that one bone, He made Eve. From that valley of dry bones, He breathed the breath of life, and raised up a mighty army. He gives life. Almighty God gives life. Ephesians 2 verse 1, we read, You, you who hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. He's going to give life to Adam's, Adam's bride. Just as he gives life, as Christ gives life to his bride. Huh? He, took a, he took a rib. A rib. Not a, not a bone from, from Adam's head that would, uh, that would reign over him. Uh, not, a, not, a, not something superior, not something above him to have power over him. He's the head. That's, that's clear in Scripture. Huh? Ephesians 5.23, we read this. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. But listen, that rib wasn't taken from his foot either. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't his toe bone or you know something down there that he's going to trample on and walk on and walk over every day. Huh? Not something below him. Turn to, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter 3, look, look beginning with verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair and of the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, great price. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, 
and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. The wife is to be in subjection to her husband. That's clear, isn't it? That's Again, that's not me. That's God's word. But likewise, you see that in verse 7? Likewise, in the same manner, there's an honor. There's a, there's a respect, a, a, a recognition to be given to the wife by the husband. Huh? He says, you're joint heirs. I, I just, I love that. I, joint heirs of the grace of God. Think about who she is. She, listen, she's a daughter of the king. That's something to think about, isn't it? Huh? She's a daughter to mistreat her, to, to abuse her, to, to treat her with contempt. Oh, no, 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 no. To do so is going to incur the wrath of the father. Huh? She's a daughter of the king. And, and again, back to that, heirs together. You're in this boat together, huh? Heirs together of the grace of life. Now, now back to our text, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. He took a rib. He took a rib. Not, not above him. Not below him. A rib. Now, think about what that rib is, is close to. Think about where it's located. In, in our bodies. Huh? Right near the heart. Right near the, the heart. Dear to him. To be, listen, to be loved by the man. Where else? It's under the arm. Huh? To, to, to protect and to, and to shield. Isn't that true of Christ's love for his church? For his for his bride. In, in Ephesians 5 2, we read, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Christ loves his bride with, a, with an everlasting love. Scripture says he, he loved us and laid down his life for us. Huh? He gave his life for us. Greater love, we just read these throughout Scripture, greater love hath no man than what? That he laid down his life for his friends. She was made for the man. His bride was made, made for him. Uh, near the heart, uh, under the under the under the arm to be be protected and and uh, as Frank would say, I'll, I'll throw this in at at, uh, at no extra charge. I, I think about I think about the ribs and what they what that what does that rib do? It it protects our most important 
organs. Huh? It protects my heart. It protects my lungs. Th- think about the importance of that, of that rib. Huh? So, that's, a, that's a two-way street, isn't it? Huh? We, we protect that rib, but that rib protects, protects us. Huh? I, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything worse than a, and, and we've heard this, a man talking down about his wife or a wife talking down her, down her husband. Huh? No. Remember that? Heirs together of the grace of, of life. Well, he took a rib. He took a rib. I don't know if this is true or not. I believe it to be true. I don't think there's a more tender part of the body. And, and if anybody in here has had a, a broken rib, you, you might agree with me. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything more tender. Um, I once had a broken rib. And I tell you, it hurt. It hurt. I couldn't laugh without it hurting. I couldn't cough without it hurting. I couldn't talk without it hurting. When that rib hurts, the whole body, the whole body hurts. You know, I, maybe you've seen this. I've known husbands and wives um, in the hospital and in, in the home. When that when that other one's hurting, the other one can't even function. Huh? That's 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 true, isn't it? Huh? When one spouse hurts, it, it made the other one physically sick and, and unable to, to function. You know that's true of our Lord. Uh, in, in, in a sense, he can, still, he can still function, can he? Huh? Our Lord knows the suffering of his bride. Hmm? He, he, knows, he knows our infirmities. H- Hebrews 4.15, turn there with me. Turn there and read with me. Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 15 of Hebrews 4. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. All points tempted, yet without sin. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the the feeling of our infirmities. He's God. Think about it now. He's God. Yet he's able to sympathize with his people. He was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. He understands our weakness. He understands our our pain, our tears, our temptations. He's one. He's one with his one with his people. He knows our, and aren't we thankful? We forget that, don't we? How quickly we forget that. 
He knows our infirmities. Back in Genesis chapter 2. He took a rib. He took a rib and he closed up the flesh. You know, in the process of taking that rib, Adam's side was pierced. Why? Why was it pierced? That bone's got to come out. It was pierced for his bride. Can we see Christ in that? Can we just get a glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ in that? Our Lord, He was pierced. He was pierced for His bride. As, as, our, as our substitute. Look at that. Well, I'll just, I'll just read it to you. John 19, 34. One of the soldiers with a, with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith out came water and blood. That was prophesied in the Old Testament. He that, he that was pierced. A soldier with a spear pierced our Lord as he hung there on that tree. And out came water and blood. Justification. Sanctification. We, we sing that song, let the water and the blood from his wounded side which flowed be of sin, the double cure, save from wrath and make me, make me pure. Christ died on the cross for his bride. His, his side was pure. He laid down his life for his bride. We read that he died for our sins. Why did he die? For our sins, according to the scriptures. Listen to God's word. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Boy, that blows that idea to pieces that we need to straighten our lives up before we come to him, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Does it sound like there's anything you can do to merit or earn salvation? Who did he die for? He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. Nothing earned, nothing, nothing merited, but by the free and sovereign grace of Almighty God. Christ, Adam sighed, it was, it was pierced his bride and the Lord Jesus Christ his side was pierced for his bride now back to back to Genesis chapter 2 I need to I need to move on here look at verse 22 and with that rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman a rib with that rib God made a woman think about the sovereignty of, of almighty God Isaiah 45 verse 5 says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me that you may know from the rising of the sun and from the west 
that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace. I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. He made a woman. He made a woman, and he brought her. He brought her to the man. That's God's order. That's not... That's not man's order. That's God's order. Man's not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Turn with me again back to if you're still not in Genesis 2. Look here, verse 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, Flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let me just make a few brief comments on on these verses of Scripture. He brought her to the man. You see that there in verse 23. He brought her to the man. Adam said, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. Man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Huh? What's this speak of? Look at these words again here. Brought to the man. Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Cleave to the wife. Union. This can only speak of union. They're one. Not not two separate things. They're one. One. Let me ask you again. Does that point to Christ and his bride? Huh? I sure hope so. Huh? I must be one with him. And in his time, God will bring his chosen bride Christ. And he does so by his effectual, irresistible grace. Uh, there's, no, there's no fighting it. He'll do so by the power of his spirit. How the Lord do all these, all these things. Think about this. The, the marriage union is, is, is compared. That's why that, the marriage union is so important because it's a picture of Christ and his, and his church. You know, he left his father's house for her. He, he came down, he came down from heaven, took upon himself human flesh for his bride. He loves his bride with an everlasting love. And they're united as one. They can't be separated. He said, he said, you can't, you can't pluck him out of my, out of my hand. And consider how he provides for his bride. Huh? He protects her. He gives her his name. He loves her eternally. He laid down his life for her. Isn't that reason enough to love him? All that he's done for his bride. And to be and to be subject 
to him. Verse 25 says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. His bride, Christ's bride, is listen, clothed in his very righteousness, clothed, clothed in the righteousness of God. And that thing of guilt and shame, it's all been put away. Her guilt, her shame, her sin, it's all been put away. Scripture says this, that we are holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his, in his sight. Well, again, I, I, I pray he'd be pleased. To, I, I remember several years back, Gosh, we were still at 13th Street. I remember John Chapman taught the senior class, and he asked me if I'd, if I'd teach it. And it was this, I think it was Ephesians 5, and I, I looked at it and looked at it. I said, John, I can't. I mean, I hadn't been married two years. I can't, I can't do that. And I'll, I'll tell you, we've been married 30 years, and I still can't teach from this. Huh? It has to come from God's Word. It has to come from God's word. And I pray, I pray he'd use his word to, to, to teach us. I, we could all be better husbands, better wives. But above all, above all, I pray he'd use it to teach us of, of Christ, to teach us of him. All right.